Where United goes, the curse will follow. But when it comes to New Mexico, the curse will lead. When you join the curse, a portion of your membership goes to help New Mexicans from all across the state. Working with organizations like the Read to Me Book Drive, Birthday Project NM, Watermelon Mountain Ranch, CLN Kids New Mexico, Casa Q, and so many more. Join the curse today and help us make New Mexico a better place for tomorrow. Hey, it's New Mexico United Defender Kalen Ryden, and you're listening to David and RJ on the CurseCast. See, it all started one day when I was walking down the street. I look left and I look right thinking, how can life be so nice again? La-da-da-dum, 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 oh, sing it, baby. You're listening to The Curse Cast with David Carl and RJ Montano. David and RJ will take you through the latest recaps, news, and interviews from around New Mexico United Soccer. You can shoot us comments or questions at The Curse NM on Twitter, The Curse New Mexico on Facebook, or email the show at thecursenm at gmail.com. And now a part of the beautiful game network and recorded from the studios of ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, here's David and RJ with The Curse Cast. We are live. Welcome into the Curse Cast, everybody. My name is David Carl, joined by my co-host, as always, RJ Montano. RJ, hey, how are you doing today? Man, I'm feeling good. Yeah? It's day uh, 3,846 of the quarantine. <laughs> I thought you were about to say something like you did 3,846 steps or something today. Uh, I definitely did not. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten that many. And I even went on a walk. <laughs> Uh, well, we are uh, we are excited to be joined by uh, by New Mexico United midfielder. You see him there on the screen. His name is Mr. Sully Muhammad. Sully, how are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm hanging in there, feeling good. <laughs> it's. Uh, I said this last episode we had on. Uh, we had Sam Hamilton on last episode, and uh, I said to him, you know, you've been here since day one. I don't understand how we've gone this far and not had you on the curse cast up to this point. And the same, the same to you, man. I, I don't know why it's taken so long. So sorry about that. No, it's all good. I think everything happens at the perfect time. Um, I'm glad I'm able to do this and uh, get to know you guys a little bit more, and hope that uh, the fans can get to know me a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, let's get into your story a little bit, if you don't mind. You uh, you grew up in California, um, mm-hmm. and uh, what got you into the game at a young age? Um, so my dad, he was a high school basketball coach, um, grew up around basketball his whole life. Um, and we're from Richmond, California. And so we didn't, you know, we didn't have too many great high school basketball teams, but you know, we have some players here and there. And, um, my dad put me in soccer before the basketball season, um, in order for me to get my footwork right and, you know, become a better basketball player ultimately. Um, and I, I stuck with it. I fell in love with it, Um, and along the way, you know, me and him just continued to learn the game. It's kind of natural, and he also also wanted me to do something different, you know, because there are a lot of, like, you know, from Richmond, um, young black guys who, you know, usually it's basketball, you know, um, football, something like that, so he really wanted me to 
do something different and um you know just break out into something new uncharted territory almost well i think that so every, I, go ahead i was gonna say every athlete their favorite sport is basketball i think everyone <laughs> loves to go shoot some hoops and, yeah. and and throw it up so do you think you uh are better at basketball or soccer um definitely soccer like i so i played basketball a little bit growing up with my cousins and whatnot but um nothing ever too serious like I, I was definitely more focused on soccer, even though, like, I, I was the weird one, you know, all the time, <laughs> like, with soccer shorts and stuff like that or soccer jerseys. Um, so I was always kind of like the weird one playing soccer. But, uh, you know, I'm decent at basketball. But what it, what is interesting to me now is that there seems to be um, a greater cultural acceptance of soccer now mm. among, like, all different, you know, groups and uh segments of people like it's pretty interesting um so well i was gonna ask now what's that we're the cool ones now yeah we're 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 ahead of the game we're the hipsters of sports uh (laughs) i was i was gonna ask you though you know you said your dad was was really into basketball um and kind of initially pushed you to do that was there any when you decided you want to kind of make the switch was there any pushback from him or was it you know complete support it was complete support um and it was honestly a blessing. I think, you know, our parents are some people who have uh, the biggest influence on us um, from childhood, even up to adulthood. You know, they they definitely impact um, a lot of the decisions we make. And so it was it was it was a really it was a blessing that my dad was open to me playing and, you know, supported every step of the way. Never. He's never missed a game. Um, he watches all my games. He still watches some of the USL games back. Um, more than I do, so um, he's been fully invested in it, um, and it's like he's a big reason that I am here. Has he uh, has he made the trip out to uh, New Mexico for a match yet? He did. He did. Uh, I think it was was it actually the single mile match? Oh, that's a good it one to make. Been. Yeah, I think it might have been that match. They came out here, got to see a game. I took him to Frontier. Um, I think <laughs> we went to the Grove as well, um, and so you know they got to see Albuquerque and. They really, they actually really liked it, you know, and and I think that that's uh, says a lot about New Mexico. Like when you go to like authentic Mexican areas and places, restaurants or you know little cultural hubs like that, like you realize that people in New Mexico are like genuine and you know love filled and just great people. So. And one of the one of the things that I really like in these conversations, again with Sam last week and with you this week. You know, some of the interviews we've done, let's say last year, were with obviously every player was new, so everybody was kind of adjusting to the new area. And even some of the interviews we've done this year, so like, for example, we interviewed David Najem. He's new this year, so he's adjusting the area. But it's cool to talk to somebody, and I'm really interested to get your take. You've been here over a year now. Yeah. What is your... I guess, how have you adapted to New Mexico? It sounds like you like it. Um, you know, is, is there, do you find yourself feeling at home here? Uh, I, I definitely do. I think, you know, of course there's a fan base, um, which makes every player feel, you know, you, it makes you feel special. It makes you feel um, appreciated. Um, and there's that connection. Um, but I've been able to make, like, real genuine connections with um some people from New Mexico. Um, Dev has been like a big, a big uh, help in that. Um, he's one of the first, well, I stayed with him the first week I came on trial um, with his family. Uh, they they had me stay with them for the first week and, 
you know, before I knew that I was going to be on the team or not. And, and it's really genuine people like that, like his grandparents, uh, Kristen, his mom, um, just everyone. Um, and then even like going to little small businesses around the area. Um, I like Bristol. I like Michael Thomas. I always go into those places and, you know, it's welcoming, it's warm, it's inviting. Um, and I, I don't know, I think, I don't know, I, I would have to, you know, research the history, but, you know, New Mexico, they have like this special, like there's this energy here uh, amongst the people that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a good mix of so many different beliefs and cultures. You know, you have the Native American culture here, then you have like, um, you know, the Mexican culture here, uh, Burkeño, and, you know, and it, it's like, it's just really unique um, in a lot of ways. And it's kind of like a hidden, hidden treasure in a way. Yeah, we don't want people to know. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, there's a big, uh, I guess, there's a lot of time between when you're in California growing up as a kid and when you're a New Mexico United midfielder. Uh, and that included some time overseas. You talk a little bit about yeah. kind of the journey that took you from a kid who decided to play soccer instead of basketball uh, to, to getting here. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when I, I was a sophomore in high school um, and at the end of my sophomore year, I, you know, I made a couple of friendships um, and different connections um, through the Bay Area by just, you know, playing club soccer or whatever. So there's this team from Croatia. Um, they were holding a camp in Walnut Creek for a week and they were scouting players, um, you know, to bring to Croatia um, to have like, you know, the Croatian Academy experience. It wasn't all. It wasn't like totally with the intent on signing guys all the, all the time. I think it was they were just kind of trying to reach out and you know make some connections in America, probably build some what of a fan base. Um, but so I go out there at 16. Uh, first, I do the camp in Walnut Creek, and then I get invited out for a two-week trial. Um, I went with um, one of my best friends. He's Bosnian, um, so he was like my tour guide, um, translator, and. Um, this guardian while I was there. So the first two weeks went pretty well. Um, I was actually played striker at the time. And so I go the first uh, first couple weeks, I do decent. Um, the coach decides he wants to extend the trial for a week. Um, and so I, I extend my ticket um, for another week. And then after my second week, the literally the day after he told me that he wanted me to stay a week and we extended the ticket, he changed his mind. Mm. But luckily, um, you know, I have my translator there and he's able to talk to the coach and you know, my friend as well. Um, and he talked to coach like out of it. He's like, look, we already extended the ticket, you know, at least give him another week. You know, we already paid. Um, we can't refund it. Um, you know, just give him a look, give him a try. And so at the end of that next week, uh, there was a tournament with all the teams in Zagreb. So it was like Lokomotiva, Dinamo Zagreb, a couple second and third division youth teams. Um, and we're playing this tournament. And I ended up getting top score. I scored like four goals and like um, I think three or four matches, something like that. And at that moment, the coach decided, you know, he wanted me to stay. And so from then, my friend, he went, he flew back home um, and I stayed there for that with that particular team for two years 
I went back home, did a couple trials, um, and was trying to find, you know, where I could play next. Um, and then ended up going back and playing third division in Croatia. Um, again, so altogether, I spent about four years there. But that was the first stage of it. Um, I was 16. I was there alone. Um, and, yeah, that's where it pretty much started. That's got to be. So what's the, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead David. I was going to ask, what, what, if there is a difference, what's the difference between the style of, of uh, the Croatian soccer and here in the U.S.? Like, uh, it was interesting because, so there, like, there are definitely a lot of factors. I, you know, coming from the youth system and the pay-to-play structure, um, you know, guys aren't always that serious. Um, you know, we have the intention to go to college, but we're not training every day, uh, sometimes two times a day because we want a contract. And so when I got there, there they were – big differences in overall understanding of the game and technique, I think, um, that I that I was able to catch up with. Um, plus, I had physical ability. But I, I would honestly say the biggest difference is just, you know, they're very cutthroat. Um, when, I, when I first got there, there were guys, like, and I'm not joking, like 17, 18, 16 years old, who the club would bring over, uh, pay for their apartment, um, they get paid like $5,000 a month. Some would get a car. Like there are multiple guys on the team. Whoa. Um, when I turned 17, 18, who the club had bought car- cars for, apartments, um, because they saw it as an investment. And so not like coming from America, not really understanding that I, I didn't really have the, the necessary understanding of the situation and um, the sort of um, structure or society that I was in. Um, so it took a while to like develop that professionalism and that consistency and dedication every day in order to get a contract. Because for me, it was like, okay, I'm gonna go to, you know, in America, you shift from going to college to now, like if I don't get a contract by 18, I'm screwed. Right. You know, they, they would say like in, in Europe, if you don't have a contract by 18, you, you know, you probably won't make it. Um, because there's so many kids coming up through the pipeline, so many talented players. The window is very small. Um, so that was like hard. And so, like, it, I, you know, I didn't, it's hard to really make even friends on the team um, because I was a foreigner there and nobody really wanted me there. Um, and it was just a lot. It was just, it was just a lot at a young age. And I would imagine, again, you mentioned you're 16 years old. To be in a foreign country and, as you mentioned, to be not necessarily wanted to be there. That's hard for anybody, but as a 16-year-old, that's got to add another layer of difficulty for you. Yeah, I. Uh, it, was, it was funny because I think I, I knew what I wanted. I knew that I, I wanted to be in Europe, and like it never. There was never a moment where I said to myself, "I want to go home." And there's times where I still miss it there, um, and I think I don't know. I, I just embraced the. Um, the change and you know how cool everything was and I was independent like it's funny like I you know you go from living at home to now like you know I was living in a house with a couple other players but I was washing my own I was like doing my own laundry doing my own grocery shopping I was you know going out when I wanted to I had to figure out the bus system Mm. I learned the language you know not through school but through everyday conversation and you know just picking things up um, and so my grammar isn't the best, but like 
I ultimately just learned, and I think it's in every human, um, but you have to be open to it. I think it's, you know, just our natural survival instinct is to figure out our surroundings so that, you know, that we can maneuver and, you know, be successful within them. Um, and so I, I, I grew a lot, you know, I, I grew and matured a lot, um, made some mistakes as well. It was tough. Like I, I had to deal with, um, you know, racism multiple times. I had teammates throw bananas at me. I had people, you know, yell at me on the street, you know, derogatory names and stuff like that. And, um, it, you know, it, it taught me patience. It taught me, you know, strength. Um, and so, you know, I, I really am glad that I went through all of that, though. And, I mean, I don't, I haven't been to Croatia. I don't know much about Croatian culture. Is it largely white there? Yeah. Um, so it's on, it's in Eastern Europe. Um, in the Balkan region, um, and so Serbia, Bosnia, and Croatia, um, Macedonia, I think Sl- Slovenia, they all used to be a part of the former Yugoslavia. Right. And um, so they're a communist country, um, and then slowly but surely country, countries started to break off, and then there was a big like civil war, and you know, big war between Serbia, and really Serbia and Bosnia and Croatia, but you know Bosnia just happened to get hit hard by it. Even though they weren't, they didn't have total involvement in the war as much as Croatia or whatnot. But um, they went through a hard period in time, um, and then so transitioning out of that, even like going there today, you would see like communist block style apartment buildings, like mm. high in the air, um, and like you know people weren't that wealthy as well. Um, but you know, they seem to appreciate the small things in life, um, to a certain degree too. So when you, you get into a situation like that, you, you deal with racist fans, you know, we, we've seen it in Europe. Uh, we've seen it in the French league. We've seen it in the English premier league too, uh, where you have fans throwing bananas. How do you, how do you maintain your cool in a situation like that? Or how do you react? Yeah, Yeah, no, so I, um, I was recently like reading the autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. and um, he talked about, you know, dignity um, isn't for uh, the aggressor; it's for you, you know, and and humility and you know, just I think being strong and resolute in the face of you know like stupidity and mm-hmm. ignorance. I think is the strongest trait. And again, it's not to one up, you know, the person hurling the insults at you or anything, but it's for yourself. Because I think when you um, react, it's what they want. You know, you're giving them the satisfaction that they that they crave. Um, and, and I think, you know, being above that is is, is the goal. Well, you're, you're a better man than I. That's, uh, I'm sure that was tough yeah. to deal with, I'm sorry. Especially as a 16-year-old, that's 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 got to be intense. <laughs> so uh, you you did mention something there, um, playing playing in Europe and and like growing up, football players like the, the pinnacle is playing in the NFL. Uh, yeah. For a soccer player, is Europe the pinnacle? Is that where like that's the elite? That's where you've made it. Is that the goal for a lot of soccer players? I think so, I, and I think now it's it. I think it definitely is changing a bit for American soccer players too. Um, I mean, you know, the goal is to play in the Champions League, um, and 
you know, the World Cup, but definitely like the Champions League, Europa League, or, you know, and play in, in those environments in Europe where the culture has been molded through, you know, decades and generations. And, um, you know, but I think like with the growth of the MLS and even the USL now, I think a lot of American soccer players are seeing value in our league um, and that they're seeing that, you know, the MLS is a league that has top quality players and can compete uh, with the rest of the world. I would, you know, and I would really say that the MLS is on par with some of the lower, uh, lower division or, um, you know, lower quality European teams for sure. Um, but, you know, to get to Europe is a goal uh, for every soccer player um, at some point in your career. I think just to experience it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in football. So, you know, they might not always go according to plan. But if you can't get to Europe, that's, you know, that's the pinnacle. You're, you're cutting it against the best. And I think you're uh, you're selling yourself a little bit short. You didn't just play in Croatia. You played for for Zagreb, which is one of the the top Croatian teams there is. That's that's the academy you were in, right? Yeah. Um. And it's <laughs> it's funny because you know during that time, there there was a guy, you know, named Alan Halilovic. He signed for Barcelona at like 17, 18 years old. Um. Yeah. There's a kid Yedvai. He plays for Bayern Leverkusen now. Um, you know, there's players from Dinamo who um, one just signed for RB Leipzig, and that ca- academy. I mean, they're known for Luka Modric, Mandzukic, Dion Lovren, Dario Serna. So, you know, the top Croatian players, you know, for the most part, they come out of Dinamo. Um, and it was when I was there, is considered one of the top footballing academies across Europe. Um, and I'm sure they're still up there. And so, yeah, I like there's times today when I see guys that I, you know, was in the academy with playing Champions League. So, you know, it, it was right there. Yeah, and I mean, to, to make that point a little bit further, I'm an Arsenal fan, as you can tell by my shirt. It's terrible. Um, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, Zagreb played Arsenal in the Champions League and beat them. Uh, so just yeah. to, to give an idea of, of how good this club is, like I said, I don't want you to, to sell yourself short here at all. This is, this is a <laughs> premier club. Yeah, no, it was um, it's a serious team. I, so the first year, I, the first year that I ever played for that academy, um, Dinamo was in the Champions League, and they played. They had Real Madrid, Lyon, and PSV in the group stage, and I got to be a ball boy for the PSV and the uh, Lyon game. <laughs> That's and awesome. I got to watch the Real Madrid live, um, and those are experiences that I'll never forget. Um, I got one of the long sleeves from one of the players from Lyon. And it was just like a crazy experience to see these dudes at the top level uh, playing Champions League and hearing the anthem. I got to shake the, you know, the little Champions League yep. flag in the middle of the field before the game. Um, it was like, honestly, it was crazy. I, I was like, whoa, this is wild. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so you go from from playing in Croatia for, for a few years there, you mentioned. How did you come back to the States? You ended up with the Deltas, is that right? Yeah. Um, so I, after I, so I played third division after I left Dinamo Zagreb. I graduated the academy and they didn't want to sign me. So I went back, I played third division and, you know, third division in Croatia, I wasn't getting paid. Um, the, the room I was staying in, um, it was small. It had, it was like a board, board house or whatever, boarding room. Um, 
and it was like four or five guys all in this one room and you know i was playing there for a while and you know i couldn't really move forward um so i decided to come home i did a couple open tryouts and um combines because you know i hadn't played pro i hadn't had any experience at all and um you know i went to the sf delta's open trial there was like 300 people and um I got invited to preseason, and then from preseason, I ended up signing my first professional contract. But then, unfortunately, I tore my Achilles, and so I missed the whole year. And so you go from that. Uh, I mean, where do you go from there? Obviously, again, you, you said you don't play. Um, and I'm, I'm look. I pull up your Wikipedia page. I pull up everybody's Wikipedia page. Um, but you, <laughs> you ended up with uh, with Penn FC the following year. Your first uh, foray into the USL. Yeah, um, and then I saw so after SF Deltas, the league that we were in, the NASL, they folded, um, and as, as well as the SF Deltas. Um, it's just, you know, the league, they tried their best, um, and it was a league that was, you know, countering MLS, and it was a very good league. Um, uh, they had a lot of talented players in that league, and the pay was good, um, but the league just folded. They, it wasn't sustainable. Um, leagues kept, I mean, teams kept dropping out. Um, Minnesota used to be in the NASL, then they went up to uh, MLS, and then a couple teams now from the NASL are in the USL. Um, so, you know, we just had a lot of teams and a lot of uncertainty. And so when the league folded, I had to find my next team, and um, my agent uh, reached out to Penn FD as um, yeah, I played there. Um, did not play it much at all. You know, did not see eye to eye. I think I played like five games that whole year. Um, and I played one game right back, one game I played center mid, one mm-hmm. game I'm playing striker. So I got, you know, I was used all over the field. But, I, yeah, I never really got to play and see the light of day at all. And so, you know, I was actually pretty worried from where my career might be going after that. And then uh, from there... What happens to get you from, you know, a place where you're concerned about, you know, where your career's going to, where you're you're thriving in a new club at New yeah. Mexico United? What was was there a conversation where Troy called you up? Did you know Troy from earlier? How did that work? Yeah, so it's it's funny how life works. I um, so in between my um, my first and second stint in Croatia, I came back home um, and I, I signed to a new agent. Um, and he got me a couple of trials at some USL teams. And I tried at Charlotte, Charlotte Independence um, when Troy was the assistant coach there. Uh, came in, I think I was 18 at the time, 18, 19. So this, uh, yeah, after my first couple of years in Croatia. I come back, I do well, like for the first four or five days, the coach is talking about signing me. And then I totally like, you know, crap my pants and <laughs> I just buckled under the pressure. I put too much pressure on myself, and I ended up not signing the contract. But I, you know, I impressed Troy enough to get invited uh, for a trial here in New Mexico. And I actually, it's funny because the first time he invited me, he invited me to the invite only, which weren't any of the guys who were signed. It was just guys that they were, you know, wanted to look at before they invited them into the official preseason. And I said I couldn't do it because I thought something else was on the table. And so I rejected the offer. And then literally, you know, the offer that I thought I had got pulled off of the table. And so then 
you know, yeah, just luckily Troy gave me a second chance, allowed me to come in the preseason, and um, I just I wasn't going to be denied my contract. <laughs> <laughs> so, so were you in the you weren't in the open the New Mexico United Open trials? Were you? You were you trialed later on? Is that right? Yeah, so I got invited to the actual preseason. Um, so I got to train with all the signed players and any other guys who they thought about signing. It's uh, a, uh, I guess uh, you mentioned, you know, things kind of work out the way that you hope. You get lucky yeah. or, or things kind of just fall into your lap. Uh, Must have felt really yeah. good after that one guy got taken off the table to have the opportunity after that. Yeah, I mean, one of my, so one of my favorite uh artist um he always says um, opportunity meets preparation hmm. you know and then i think that is something every athlete can understand uh, you know we we bust our butts you know as much as we can to get an opportunity just to get that first opportunity you know and to get someone to put our name on a piece of paper like I've been rejected multiple times and you know every player has like you hear it all the time like oh no we won't be signing you or we won't be going in this direction like you get used to hearing no and so just like constantly knocking at the door and at a time when I you know I thought like really I didn't know where my what position my career is going to be going um, you know this door opened and, and I think that's when you're at your your best because you've been working hard but you you almost lost faith and then the door opens and you know your preparation is ready to pay off plus you're hungry and determined so that's great so before coming out here for that trial had you ever been to albuquerque or new mexico and what what was your thoughts on albuquerque yeah it's it's funny i was talking to my girlfriend and she thinks i was destined to come here because um so our, our former assistant mike grazak when you know still in that that period before i went to charlotte i I went to the portland timbers academy um and i finished out a little bit of the season there and mike grazak was the assistant at unm for the men's team at the time and he was trying to recruit me to unm and i was actually going to do it i told my dad like you know what i'll do it i'll go to junior college for a year or two and then get what i need to and then i'll come and i'll you know play for unm and he was like, no, like, that's not the route you wanted to take. You always want to go, you know, go back to Europe or whatever. And so, you know, he urged me not to, which, you know, is most parents, you know, would tell you, oh, yeah, just take to school, go to school. Um, but, you know, he, he stood firm and like he, that was like a that was honestly a groundbreaking decision in my life. Um, and I didn't know much about New Mexico um, and I didn't even really study too much about it um, before. I mean, after the, Mike Grazak uh, tried to recruit me um, because, it, you know, it was never was going to materialize. So I didn't really start studying much about the state. I watched Breaking Bad a little bit, but I was younger. <laughs> so I didn't know too much about the state. But uh, no, nah, it's been, it's, man, I, I've loved it. I've really loved it. I, I love every bit of New Mexico. That's cool. Yeah, your girlfriend was right. We were destined to have you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm telling you, it's like some powerful forces where I work. <laughs> Well, it's cool to hear that you could have been a Lobo, too. I mean, we've got several, you know, former Lobos uh, on the club and Devin and Bees. And yeah. would have been would have been cool to see you on the pitch uh, with them, too. I know. I, you know, it, it's, it's honestly so funny because me and Dev play together in San Francisco. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, he's like the reason I even got also got to trial here, too. He put in a good word for me. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, it's one of those things, I guess, me and New Mexico were destined to meet. And I'm sure, like, I'm figuring it out as I go. Um, but I, I think it'll be one of those things, like, later in life when I begin to realize, like, the real reason, you know, beyond football that, you know, um, the higher power brought me here to New Mexico. Well, is is your girlfriend from New Mexico? Yeah, that's another Man, thing. Maybe too. that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I know, honestly. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. That, that honestly could be it. I can't tell her that, though, because then she'll be like, ha! Rubbing in my face. Now I, I got you. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this before we came on the stream here. Um, obviously, being a professional athlete, you are used to being very active, training every day. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 tough for us regular people, us mere mortals, uh, to be locked <laughs> in our homes all the time. But I would imagine there's an additional layer for you guys as athletes who are used to being out yeah. training all the time. What's it been like? You know, it, it's funny because the first week, week and a half, I was like, whoa, like, what's going on? You know, I was like, damn, this is, like, serious? Because we got sent home from training. And I was like, oh, damn, like, this could, like, extend for a long time. Right. Um, and so the first week, week, week and a half, it was kind of hard because I was like, okay, like, where do I channel my energy now? You know, and how do I, how do I improve or... How do I add, you know, added layers to myself? And so early on, like I, I was really just working out in my girlfriend's family's backyard. Um, you know, I would go back there and do our lifts, uh, do ball work. Uh, me and her dad built a wall that I can use, um, you know, as basically like a rebound. So I'll, pass, I'll use the wall to pass it off of and work on my technique. And so I was doing a lot of that. And then um, I found this park that you know, we can act like it's actually easy to keep distance. It's from, ah, what's the name of the park? You're going to um, give people away your uh, your secret training spot? Man, I might not be, even be able to remember it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll come to me, I think. Um, and I'll, I'll, like, I'll go there. I'll run. I'll work out. Um, and, like, I'll meditate. Um, and so, like, it, it kind of breaks up some of the monotony of, you know, just being home. Um, and, you know, so I've kind of developed a routine. Um, like, I'll wake up, I'll, I'll read, I'll do my studying, whatever, like, I need to learn that day. Like, I'll put a couple hours in on that, um, you know, to satisfy my mind. And then I'll do something to make sure my body gets satisfied and, you know, try to have a good night's sleep. Um, it's hard, too, because you don't know how hard you can push. Because if you push too hard, you know, and the season does come back, um, you know, you don't want to burn yourself out, right? But you also don't, you know, you don't want to come in out of shape. So it's like a, it's a hard line to, to balance um, right now. Um, but you know, to be honest, I, I feel like changing my perspective on the situation, and you know, trying to stay productive and you know, being grateful. Honestly, like, you know, I can't imagine like what it would be like to have kids or be a single mom or be a single father. Or, you know, have to get laid off or, you know, I, there are a lot of people out there, you know, way worse off situations than me. Um, and I'm honestly just like, you know, grateful, um, you know, to be able to have my girlfriend, you know, my job, you know, the fans um, and just everything. Um, 
that I have here. You know, it's it's, it's honestly just a blessing. So can't and complain. I would imagine a, a bit of a, a guess. I don't know if culture shock is the right term, but just a big difference from last year. I mean, and let's talk a little <laughs> bit about your your first year here, if you don't mind. I mean, obviously, it's everybody's first year here. You're one of the club. Yeah. Um, what were your expectations coming into a season with a brand new club? Um, you know, brand new coaches, brand new players, brand new everything. Yeah. What were your expectations coming into it? It's that's interesting because the the first two years leading up into coming to United, um, I was at San Francisco. We won a championship, but we folded. Um, and then the second year, it was at Penn FC. They're formerly the Harrisburg City Islanders, but they did a full rebrand. So it was almost like a new franchise. Like, you know, we had a new owner, um, completely new players. There were like two players from the year before. Um, so it was pretty much essentially like a new club. And we were terrible. <laughs> 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 we, like, I think we finished second to last. Um, like, it was like one of the worst experiences, like, I, you could imagine as a pro, like, a losing team, um, don't get along with the coach, like, and, you know, guys are kind of at that point, you know, you know, fending for themselves, they're fighting for a job for next year, um, and plus we thought, we heard that, we heard that the club was going under anyway, and they did after that season, and so, like, I, I just had been on two teams that folded, one that won, but I got injured, and then the second one that was terrible and I didn't play, and so it was just like, yeah, it was just like, man, like a roller coaster two years. Um, and so, man, to be honest, like coming to New Mexico, I was worried. I was just like, like, it's like, man, I don't know, like, what this is going to look like. I, you know. What if it doesn't take off? What if we have another situation like before? Man, man, because like the worst thing you can do, like the worst situation you could be in um, is t- be on a team that folds because you don't have a job. Like, right. There's nothing to go back to, and you know you gotta hope that you can find the team. And so, like going through that for two years, I was just like, I was very, very, very hesitant on joining like an expansion team. Um, but you know, I didn't really have much of a choice. And so I was like, all right, you know, just go and do it and see how it, you know, see how it goes. And man, I, I mean, like, I saw the first video, the that they released, you know. Um, where all the fans were there at uh, I forgot the name of that place, um, but they the first video they ever oh released, the black and yellow bash, the black and yellow bash exactly yeah and so I saw the I I, I like watched some footage I did some research this time <laughs> and like <laughs> I saw the black and yellow bash I was like oh this is promising like you know expansion team with doing this it looks professional it looks well put together so I was like okay like you know it looks good. And I think also, like, Instagram is an indication of things um, because, that, you know, that's the team's marketing and stuff. And so I was just like, okay, like, I was pretty optimistic. And even talking to Dev, like, he told me, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, this is the place. Like, soccer's ready here. Like, the people want it. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, I was optimistic. Um, and, yeah, I was, like, pleasantly surprised by, I mean, just the first preseason game. You know, that many fans, like, that was unheard of. Uh, once I saw that, I was like, oh, man, this is serious. Like, <laughs> this, like we're going to we're gonna be, you know, we're going to be making the state proud. So, Well, and, and I guess Josh Lane should know that his video uh, from the Black and Yellow Bash uh, made a difference and uh, is part of the reason that you're here right now. It definitely did. I, I think, 
you know, I think even going into this year, some of the guys like who signed, I think they look at our social media team and, you know, look at our marketing team and they're like, man, like this is something I want to be a part of. You know, it could help boost their image or, you know, as athletes like to talk about their brand. Yeah. Um, but you want to be some you want to be a part of something that looks cool. Yeah. Absolutely, and so but you if mentioned you look at last year's preseason game. There was two thousand people there, which is a really good turnout for a preseason game. Uh, and you go to Isotopes Park, which seats, uh, I mean, twelve thousand. We can hold fifteen thousand. It's got to be amazing to, to actually fill that up with people and, and see how the craze goes. Yeah, no, I, some of those nights at Isotopes were absolutely ridiculous. Like, just I think qualifying for playoffs that was like the best memory I remember just like running oh, around the field yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that was nuts I think you know I, that was like my ambition I wanted to win a championship and I thought you know we could um, but it just wasn't in our destiny for that year but I, you know making the playoffs was like a, such an important step I think you know it doesn't matter how we got in all that matters is that we did and, you know, even that game against Sack, that was a good game. Like, they had to beat us on a damn good goal. Um, and, you know, so you got to take your hat, hat off to that. Just a good ball, good finish. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, with the Open Cup run, um, it really felt like the Warriors' we believe season almost. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. You're, you're an underdog no matter what, and you, you keep winning. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, and and it's uh, kind of crazy to think that we may never play uh, we may never play Sacramento again if if the season doesn't I happen. Know. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with the season, obviously. But they're going to MLS. Um, no, it's uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. No, I man, so many different scenarios run through my head, especially like early on. Now I've, I've begun to stop thinking about it because I'm not making those decisions. Right. Um, but it's like, man, it's. I don't know. It's it's like surreal. There's days when I wake up and I'm just like, I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. You know, it just doesn't feel you know the way it would. And so, uh, and I don't know if there's ever a way to really adjust to that. You know, and so I think um, I think though now there's optimism, um, and you know I I think. Like my girlfriend had a great idea, which I thought would be cool. Maybe a round robin format um, for the USL, and you heard it here first. So <laughs> if it happens, uh, curse cast. We, we predicted it. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would take whatever, whatever format, whatever opportunity gets us to play some matches. I'll right? take it. Uh, I don't care what it is at this point. I mean, imagine a World Cup format, right? With like groups, us versus you know. Uh, Salt Lake Monarchs and Phoenix and um, and uh, FC Tucson maybe El Paso El, pa El Paso like you know like do like a group stage um, and you know play a couple games duck, duck it out you know put a trophy on the line um, I still want to win something <laughs> yeah yeah no and like I said I think I think fans would absolutely kill for that right now they would kill for any opportunity they had to watch you guys get out there get out there on the yeah. pitch i think we can make bring i think we can help bring the you know the state some joy honestly I, you know I, you know of course that's something that we say a lot um and it's something that we you know we mean we mean it though we we 
we want to, you know, make the state proud. We want to make the people of Albuquerque proud. Um, and we want to see them small. And, you know, we, like, we feel what every Burkina is going through. Um, and so we, we want to, you know, get back out there. And you know, even if it's through TV, like, we just want to see people happy, you know, and maybe we start a parade through the windows, you know, everybody... <laughs> Waves their united flag outside of the outside of their homes, and we do a parade or something. So, well, I I don't know if you get the chance uh, to watch the live streams that they do. Well, I guess I don't know if it's net technically live. It's the replay of the matches from last yeah. year on Twitch, and uh, your video was in the most recent one. And one of the things that you mentioned in the video was, you know, we want to get back to making New Mexico proud. And there are multiple people in the chat who said you already are, even if you're not playing, you're mm-hmm. making us proud. So I hope you know that. I appreciate that. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad people feel that way. I really am glad that people feel that way, you know, and that's that's our goal. You know, that's our goal. Um, you know, whether it's through social media engagement or, um, you know, whether it's, you know, calls to season ticket holders, um, you know, we just want to stay connected um, as much as possible. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, is, is, the, uh, is the World Cup format your your ideal go-to right now because i would imagine let's just say hypothetically usl was back in two weeks right let's say we're playing at the yeah. middle of the month um it, it i would imagine at this point it's probably not going to work where we can play each team in the western conference two times i figure that would be too no. much on your bodies right yeah that'd be yeah that's probably not possible that, yeah it, it, that'd be crazy the scheduling and the travel um it'd be nuts um i you know i think yeah, I feel like, you know, because it also depends on states um, and travel restrictions or, you know, even players being comfortable. Um, and so, I, yeah, you know, I think um, it's tough. I, but I think like a round-robin tournament format mm. could give everybody what they want. And, you know, you can figure out some way to make sure everybody gets the same amount of games. But just leave something on, on the on the plate to play for. How do you know, feel about? Um, I know somebody. Look. Some people have suggested uh, putting everybody in one location. Like you put all the USL clubs in Phoenix or something like that to play. Yeah. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I think you know. For me, I'm open to it because you know I'm I'm well. I got my girlfriend and that's it. Um, but you know, I as a teammate also you know, based my decision on what my teammates are feeling. Mm. And, and, you know, if guys, you know, if they're if they're not comfortable or if, you know, they have families, like, I, I can't imagine leaving kids at home. For, like, uh, two months, three months. For, like, two or three months. Like, especially now with school being out, like, I can't imagine, you know, as a father, you know, leaving. Um, and so I, you know, either way, if that if that did happen or didn't happen, you know I I, uh, I understand and you know also yeah like I said I stand you know with by my teammates and you know anybody um, depending on what everybody feels and everybody's opinion um, so you know I think it's something that it, it is you know possibility mm-hmm. and we just have to see honestly and see you know what other teams are feeling um, see what guys on the team are feeling and. You know, kind of go from there. 
Yeah. yeah. Another suggestion has been to play in front of no fans, just just the two teams going at it. And uh, for teams like Los Dos and Phoenix, that's not going to be any different. But for you guys, <laughs> Mexico, what's that going to be like when when you're playing just and there's and there's no fans? I mean, that's got to affect kind of the way you go out. Yeah. I I think well for me now at this point. I, you know, I want the fans there. I would love to have the fans there, but I think, you know, people's safety is of the utmost importance. And, you know, if, if there isn't really a way to do it safely, um, we shouldn't do it. Um, and I, I as a player and as a, comp- uh, as a competitor, you know, I, I don't mind if, if they had to be, um, you know, empty stadiums. I just, I want to play. I want to give people some, you know, some entertainment, whether that be from home. Um, and I just want to do whatever is safe um, and feasible as well, too. Yeah. I want to uh, get to a couple of the questions we've had here in chat. And if you guys in chat have more questions for Sully, feel free to uh, to add them in there. Um, one of the first one wasn't necessarily a question, but uh, Katie in chat brought up uh, that you're into uh, skateboarding. Talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Oh yeah, so like I, I grew up skateboarding. I, um, you know, I, <laughs> I was okay. Like, you know, I, I think um, I was definitely hesitant about it because I played soccer. Um, but I, I enjoy it. I like skate culture. I think it's you know, guys are just guys and women are you know just out there free. Um, you know, you're finding places to just go have fun. You're taking adventures constantly. So I, I really enjoyed that a lot um, and just. Just skating, being out there, feeling the wind, um, and getting from point A to point B a little bit quicker than using my feet as well. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time that you were uh, that you were out there skateboarding? Obviously, uh, I guess let me let me specify not specifically just to get from A to B, but when were you out there actually like pulling stuff off? High school, okay. yeah, high school, high school. After I went to Croatia, pretty much stopped. Um, but I've been picking up biking now, like cycling and mountain biking. So I've been enjoying that. <laughs> That's cool. That's real cool. I wanted to ask, I, we didn't get to it earlier when we were talking about kind of your your journey from, you know, Richmond to, to Croatia and back again. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your dad really supported your decision to, to, not necess- to kind of forego college in an effort to, yeah. to go pro. Was that a tough decision for you? Um... In, in a way, it was because, you know, I, I think uncertainty creeps in a bit um, and doubt, which is natural. And, you know, I was young and I was like, man, maybe I should just take the safe route and, you know, and just go that way, you know, and play the long game. Um, and so it was hard because I was conflicted. But my dad saying that gave me the confidence to you know go a different route and take a chance so that was really important it was like a pivotal pivotal point uh moment in my life and then also in my relationship with my father well and then a, a question that i always ask the players who were here last year is when you come out to that first home match you know you're coming out of the tunnel which is right next to the supporter section uh what's going through your head uh, let's get this win. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, really, I'm just like super locked in and engaged. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's go out here and win. Um, I want to leave the stadium with a win. I want crowds cheering. I want the, I want the other team to leave with their heads down, feeling defeated, 
feeling like they didn't have an answer for us. That's the goal. I want to give them help, you know, for 90 minutes and so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew in chat asks, just how many people watch third division Croatian football? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, what are the crowds like at those matches and in the following? Whoever's in the village. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like that all over Europe, right? Yeah, I like they're the same. So I played for two teams. There is like a one team in Zagreb. We get like, you know, 50 or whatever. And then there's a, a team in this like, when I say village, it wasn't any more than like a couple thousand people in this town. And like the street was like, I don't know, two or three blocks, um, about as long as like central blocks. <laughs> um, and it was like a couple bars, little cafes grocery store um sandwich shop and that's pretty much it like a gym or whatever like nothing too much and yeah I, like we would play games and it'd be sometimes it could be like 20 people there other times it'd be 100 the fields were terrible the locker rooms were <laughs> tiny like it was it was like honestly like surreal to be there like I, but so like so was, so raw nice. numbers raw numbers really low but percentage-wise, yeah. pretty high. Yeah, yeah, true, true, very true, very true. So you know, you you know, you take some, you win some. Um, it was fun though because in those smaller crowds, they it's more intimate. It's like playing a small concert, right? <laughs> you know, with people who are like really, really engaged. And you know, fans of big stadiums are engaged, but you know, you got so much going on. You got the jumbotron. You got, you know, you going to concessions or whatever. And like in those games, like you can hear them cussing at the ref <laughs> or arguing with the coaches or talking smack to the players um, or yelling at you, like, being like, "Sully, yeah, how you missed that tackle?" <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was, it was fun, honestly. Like I, I missed a little bit of that. I don't miss, you know, not. Like, you know, I basically, I, I wasn't making any money. Like, I was living on crumbs. Yeah. But, you know, it was fun. Like, I, I, I enjoyed that. You know, the money doesn't make everything. Money helps. But, yeah, doesn't make, it doesn't, helps. It, uh, it's not everything. It's not why you do everything. Uh, Benny asks, yeah. have you been practicing uh, your FIFA on Xbox game? Oh, no. No, I haven't. I haven't. I need to. I've been playing PES on the iPad, though. Been playing what? Revolution Soccer. Prevolution oh, Prevolution Soccer. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing that on the iPad. And I actually get pretty decent. It's like that uh, FIFA team where you kind of like you do draws or whatever and you get cards and, you know, you can play with those guys. So that was kind of new for me. Usually I'm like I get to sign who I want and like build my perfect team, but I can't do that on there. So it's kind of frustrating sometimes. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw the, uh, the, the article that came out recently. I think it was in The Athletic. Where they were talking about how the USL is in conversations to finally get USL players uh, into a soccer video game, and they they don't know if it's going to be FIFA or or Pro Evolution Soccer yet. Did you see that? Yeah. So I, ugh, yeah, I'm so I'm like I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Like I'm really hoping that it'd be so cool if we get in in like FIFA or something like that. But my rating will probably be like 50 or something. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they probably wouldn't even give me like real cleats. They probably give me like <laughs> beat the cleats. <laughs> no, but like how, I mean, it's got to be, it has got to be, I would imagine, a dream for every soccer player to play as themselves yes. in a video game. Uh, yes. And I'll say this though. If that does happen, I'm editing my player with <laughs> the real attributes and strengths with cleats <laughs> Haircut and everything. 
I guarantee you, I guarantee you every single player says that. I've watched the videos of like, so again, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I remember watching a video last year when, um, or maybe it was just a couple years ago, but when the new FIFA came out and they yeah. they would have like a FIFA, you know, the FIFA cards uh, for each yeah. player and they would take off one little piece at a time and see what everybody's ratings were for each thing. And oh, they would yeah. they would guess ahead of time. It's like, oh yeah, I think I've got like a, a, a 78 rating on that. And it would be like a 64. Yeah. And they would be pissed. <laughs> I know. I, I, you know, I really do wonder how people comes up, you know, with these ratings. Honestly, like, what data are they using to like <laughs> assess this stuff? I don't know. I'm telling you, though. Because they disrespect the MLS players a lot, too. Yeah. They put, like, very low ratings on MLS players. So I could imagine what they're going to do to us. <laughs> We're, like, 40. <laughs> we won't be able to pass the ball. <laughs> so you just got to you gotta, you gotta get those stats up, man. You just got to keep winning with yeah, United and get them up. up. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, another question in the chat uh, from Lindsay. And Lindsay says, have you ever had a TIFO made for you as an individual player? No, I have not. Um, I heard there was one in the works, but, you know, um, no, nah, I haven't had one yet. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll get one. Um, not too worried. I feel like midfielders, you know, we do the we do the quiet work. We're the, you know, we're the sweepers. You know, we come in. We're the janitors. You know, we clean up the floors and stuff. And people <laughs> come back and everything's all clean and stuff and put together. And that's the midfielder's job. Well, especially central midfielders, like if if they don't notice what you're doing, you've probably had a good day. Exactly, exactly. There you go. Clean games, yeah. you know. You want to be consistent. No mistakes. Right. Don't give up possession <laughs> in the midfield. Time, Nobody notices. Yeah, the more time your name is called, the the worse you did. Yeah. Oh, the worst thing for a midfielder, I'm telling you guys, is if you lose the ball and they score. Hmm. Like, unless if you lose the ball bad and like in your half or something like that, and they score, get a good chance. Like, that takes real courage and mental strength to get out of that. <laughs> well, there's only one way to make up for that when that happens, and that's for you to score yourself. Sully, we're going to – we're gonna when we start playing games this year, are we going to see your first goal? Uh, that's the plan. You know, I went into last year like, okay, you know, my goal is to score like, you know, four or five goals. And it just didn't – you know, it, I, I didn't take a lot of my chances. You know, I feel like I had the chance against Phoenix – and the volley against Fresno, mm-hmm. um, I like I hadn't played really essentially in two years because I tore my Achilles. But then in the Penn FC, I played four games, so you know I don't even count that as a season, right? And so, like, I, I like get in front of goal, and like I have to like work on my composure though, and you know that was something I was focusing on going into this season is my finishing. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully, I've been working pretty hard, so. Um, Hopefully I catch some guys out of shape and just be able to run by them and you know get to go. I <laughs> know <laughs> the way. Hey, the way I look at it is, you have you are unselfish. You want to help your teammates. Uh, yeah. I mean that's what a central midfielder. That's what a central midfielder typically does. That's yeah. your role is to distribute and to find your open teammates. Yeah. You've done a great job of it. You would appreciate this. You know, I, I try to be Patrick Vieira. That's yeah. the goal. I mean that's you that's know. a hell of a goal, man. I think any anybody who aspires to be Patrick Vieira, uh, that's that's, that's a goal. great goal. The way he covers ground, the way he leads the team, the way he, you know, strong in defense and also good in the attack, um, you know, using his athletic ability and also technical skill. And I think we have a lot of similarities in terms of build. And the style is very style similar, man. The style yeah, is, is so. real similar. And I mean, Patrick Vieira is, in my opinion, uh, as far as footwork goes, the best central midfielder I've ever seen. 
Um, yeah, he, people don't respect him like they should sometimes. He, without him, those Arsenal teams, uh, they don't exist. You know, the yeah. Arsenal is not the club that it is and or the club that it, it was in its heyday. Um, you know, people love Bergkamp and Henri, and, and they should. They're great players. Yeah. But, but Vieira made that team go. Man, I mean, you you have to, you, you know, as a midfielder, your job is, um, you know, not only to do the quiet work, but, you know, you have to drive your team. You know, you, you, you are the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of times the spine of the team, the midfield, center backs, and striker, you know, if you can get those, like, solid, um, you know, I feel like you can really build around that. Um, because it leaves you less vulnerable. So yeah, absolutely, you got it. You have to build around that. I mean, you can have strong wingers all you want, but if you can't maintain possession in the center of the pitch, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another question for you in the chat: Sombrero family is wondering, uh, red or green, or Christmas? Green. You're green. green. All right. I'm all right. green. I'm, I'm green. Gotta go with the green. Yeah. I had a. Uh, I had a some. A burrito last uh, yesterday, last night. It was Taco Tuesday, but I got a burrito, uh, and it had. <laughs> I think it had like the hottest green chili I've ever had in my life. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh, where it was serious. from. Uh, Some place nearby. RJ, we're both cl- we're close to both where you and I live. Um, I don't remember where it was, but really hot green chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've, my girl loves the spicy food. I can't keep up with her. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a red guy myself, but they're they're both good. They're sure. both good. Uh, and then uh, Andrew is asking, uh, is there a club that you support as a fan? Uh, Manchester United. Oh. Yeah, Manchester United. I'm a United fan. Have to say it. You know, those years with Scolzi, Ronaldo, Beggs, um, Rooney, uh, Fernandez, Vidic, Evra, Van de, Van de Sar. My guy. Um yeah, just class, 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 class. Yeah, back when uh, back when United used to be uh, a real team, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, we're you know we're we're <laughs> getting back though. You know, if we sign Sancho and um, you know we can get a nice nice another striker, uh, we'll be we'll be good to go. The big step was getting uh, was getting Mourinho out of Old Trafford. That's number one. That was the biggest. Yeah, thing. that was that was not not a good fit. You know, it's hard to transition and get a coach that understands the culture. Um, do you think that's Ole? What'd you say? Do you think it's Ole? Do you think Ole Gunnar Shaskar is, uh, is his I, coach? I think so. I think he gets the club. I think, you know, the players seem to respect him. Um, and, yeah, I think they, I, I think um, I think he'll be the answer, to be honest. I think he is the answer. Well, I, uh, I certainly hope that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, RJ, is there anything else you wanted to, to hit on before we uh, we call it quits here? No, you know, I've had a fantastic night talking with you, Sully. It's a, I wish we'd have had you on a lot sooner, but we're definitely <laughs> definitely going to try to get you on again. This, this is just a great conversation. No, I'm, uh, thank you guys for having me, honestly. I, you know, I think any opportunity where, you know, you could get to tell your story a little bit and, uh, you know, hopefully people – resonates and hopefully it resonates with people and hopefully you know somebody can find inspiration in it as well um and i think shared experience and well sharing our experiences really matter um to connect with people yeah and i i can tell you um since we started doing these uh episodes with the live stream on twitch pretty much mm-hmm. every time we have a player on we have somebody who says 
Oh man, he's one of my new favorite players, and this is no exception. Had a couple people in here. It's like, oh man, Sully's one of my favorite players. It's, uh, it's cool to see. It's cool to see. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad that you know. Again, I, I think you know, making a deeper connection, you know, and getting giving everybody opportunity to understand us, and you know, and um, get to look at us. But you know, besides when we put the jersey on and you know put the cape on, yeah. Well, what we do? The Manchester United comment. Yeah, everybody liked you until then. <laughs> Well, one of the one of the things that we do every time we have player, coach, whomever on, uh, and we we can't see your eyes right now. You're a little high up. Could you tilt the camera up a little I'm bit? Or, there you go. No, I just wanted to make sure we see. It. Um, one of the things that we do uh, right at the end here is uh, whoever's on, we kind of give them the floor for a few minutes. You know, they to give okay. a shout out to fans, friends, family. Whomever they want, uh, so okay. we're gonna do that. Uh, do that right now if you're cool with it. And Mr. Muhammad, yeah, cool. the floor is yours, man. Um, no, I, I just like to give a shout out to you know my family first and foremost um, for just supporting me um, and being there constantly um, and being my biggest support, uh, being my biggest cheerleader. Um, all the people of New Mexico, my girlfriend and her family. Um, you know, yeah, all the people of New Mexico, of course, too. Um, for making me feel welcome um, and appreciated and giving me and also giving me purpose as well. Um, you know, shout out to you two for having me on here. I really enjoyed this. I think it, you know, again, I love being able to talk and, you know, talk about my experiences. And um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and, and you know, allow me to talk and, you know, get my feelings and you know my ideas out um so i think that's uh, really rare to be able to do so have a good flowing conversation so yeah thank you guys i really appreciate you guys having me on here oh, happy to have you man anytime you want to come back on let us know we'd love to have you and uh you know i think it's important important distinction here you know I, we've talked to a lot of players and they've said, you know, you make me feel like I'm at home or, you know, the fans make me feel like I'm at home. Uh, for us, uh, in our minds, you, this is your home. Uh, you are one of us. You are a New Mexican. It's not like you are – it's not feeling like you're at home. You are here. This is – you are one of us. Yeah. So I hope you know that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that sums it up. RJ, uh, anything else you want to add before we call it here? Uh, no, I think we could go to break real quick. All right. Sully, thanks so much for taking the time, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Have a good night. Can't wait to see you uh, playing a match soon. Yes, sir. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Where United goes, the curse will follow. But when it comes to New Mexico, the curse will lead. When you join the curse, a portion of your membership goes to help New Mexicans from all across the state. Working with organizations like the Read to Me Book Drive, Birthday Project NM, Watermelon Mountain Ranch, CLN Kids New Mexico, Casa Q, and so many more. Join the curse today and help us make New Mexico a better place for tomorrow. Hey, it's Peter Trevisani, and we're doing it on the CurseCast. All right, we are back, Mr. Montano. What a a hell of an interview from Mr. Uh, Sully Muhammad. 
you know, that was that was fantastic just to hear a story playing overseas, his story growing up, uh, what it was like coming to New Mexico is his is almost a love story of will they, won't they with New Mexico and Sully Muhammad. <laughs> well, and the thing I think one of the things that I really appreciated it uh, and actually Elaine just hit on it in the chat uh, was he was so honest. Um, you know, uh, specifically about that. And, you know, it would have been easy to say, oh, yeah, I wanted to play for New Mexico forever. And, um, you know, we tried to make it happen forever and it didn't. No, he's like, you know what? I had another offer and it didn't work out. And we came to New Mexico and I'm glad that I did. And I think there's something really nice and refreshing to hear about that, that it's like, okay, you know, we may not have been your first choice, but we're glad we're your best choice. And we're uh, we're thrilled that you're part of our family. I thought that was great. Yeah, and, and just... It brings that that chip on the shoulder that every player seems to have. Mm-hmm. Somehow or another, they develop this chip. And for Sully, that was his chip: is playing for these teams that folded or not getting his opportunities and stuff like that. Then, then getting the, an offer pulled, he's coming here to prove himself. And I think he, I, I mean, he absolutely did prove himself last season. Yeah, and we're not. I mean, again, there's Sombrero family. They, you know, I respect that answer. We're not here for for the bullshit. You know, we're, we're here to have genuine, honest conversations, and that's what Sully gave us. And uh, what a great guy, man! That was a lot of fun. I, I haven't had the opportunity prior to this to really have as in depth a conversation with Sully as I would have liked. And man, that was great. Yeah, it's always been like, hey, how are you? Just like quick, you know. Happy. He's got a job to do. Yeah, he does. Uh, so that was, I mean, super refreshing just to hear him open up. He was an open book. Yeah, he didn't he didn't shy away from a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was awesome. Andrew Bolte says he is here for the bullshit. Blow smoke up my tailpipe. Wonderful. Uh, I'll make sure to to keep an eye on that, Andrew. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that, that costs extra, so you need you need to tip a little more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Give us some bits for that. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, uh, RJ, kind of moving on from that, that conversation with Sully, um, the Gratitude Parade from this past weekend. Let's talk a little bit about that. How? Uh, what'd you think? Man, it, it, I, I got very emotional when we were passing the hospitals. Yeah, I did I too. Really, I really did. I did too. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't expect to. Um, you know, it's... It, you know, we all go there with the, the hope and the expectation to, to honor the people uh, who have been there and taking care of us and taking care of the people we care about and you know i thought that would be great and it was uh but i did not expect as we were driving by to get to get choked up and i certainly did yeah for me it was looking up at the buildings whichever hospital we were at looking up at the buildings and seeing people in the windows waving Mm -hmm. that that's where i just lost it just just you know they they can't come down to see us but they were there they know that we are showing gratitude and just their little signs on napkins or, or something. Yellow thank you back. Was, was, oh, man, it got me. Yeah, absolutely. And not to interrupt that, but uh, Andrew Bolte, thank you for the subscription and hearing my voice uh, yelling over top of us trying to have a serious conversation. We appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. I think that's uh, that's the extra that you were asking for, RJ. Uh, so now you, you do have to, to bullshit Andrew a little bit. Yeah, uh, so here, here's some of that smoke, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to think of something. Yeah, think of something. Um, but no, I, I, I thought that was really, really great. Um, and I think the there was a difficulty to it as well. You know, it was so awesome to see everybody there. Um, 
uh, you know, the people that could make it out. It was so awesome just to see people we haven't seen for a while in person. Um, people that we should be seeing every week at matches that we're used to seeing every week at matches. Um, that was awesome. The difficult part for me was not being able to run up and hug those people. Um, not being able to, uh, you know, hug them, have a beer with them, shake their hands, hang out with them at a tailgate. Um, that was, that was difficult. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, that was tough, but, uh, it was so great to see everybody come out, um, despite that. Yeah. And just to see the, the hordes of people that, that showed up for this, uh, United fans, you, you could see, you could feel all the pent up, uh, just excitement, uh, from a season that's not so far. Yeah. come out this parade people are yelling and screaming and singing and waving the flags and yelling thank you and the signs it i mean super refreshing to see that yeah a hundred vehicles signed up in less than 24 hours that you ever needed any sort of uh kind of indication of of what new mexico united fans are about and uh, there you go it's a, they're about community first and foremost um and once this is all lifted and we're all back to normal i cannot wait for the first Watch party at Star Brothers. I cannot wait for the first tailgate. I cannot wait for the first march to the match. I think everybody's feeling that way uh, right now. And, um, you know, in the meantime, we, we stay home. We stay safe. Um, we go and we support Star Brothers whenever we can and support those local businesses whenever we can. Um, but, you know, the key is everybody stay safe and stay healthy, right? Yeah, when you see somebody, don't go up and hug them. Have that strength. Have that will to not go run up and hug them. Just just do that for us. Yeah, please. Uh, you know, it, if if for nothing else, then, you know, do it for, for the people who uh, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're relatively healthy, but maybe somebody you care about isn't or, you know, somebody – uh, you could give some. You could be an asymptomatic carrier, give it to somebody else, and then you're putting healthcare workers at risk. The exact ones who we were there to to help. Thank they were there to thank. So, just think about that. Um, you know, you don't need anybody preaching at you, but just remember we're in this together, and we got to work together to make sure we get through it. Yeah. So I do have a soccer question to ask you before uh, we we get out of here tonight. It's something that Sully brought up, but I did also want to mention uh, just a huge shout out to the community. Uh, Protect New Mexico said they had a, a fantastic showing. They got a lot of PPE on Sunday from the three uh, start locations. Yeah. So we've obviously been doing those drives on on Fridays and Saturdays uh, at the uh, at the locations. But in addition, this week we decided, okay, we're going to have these United fans together. Let's uh, see if you know while people are there, they they wouldn't be my, they wouldn't mind, excuse me, donating some of their PPE. And then uh, the club, New Mexico United, obviously uh, decided we're going to help incentivize further, and they donated some of those opening day flags. Actually, this one that you can see right here, not great podcast material because that's an auditory medium. But for those of you watching on the live stream, uh, that flag, um, anybody who donated PPE. Uh, at these locations on Sunday, got one of those flags for free, and we had uh, about a hundred flags, RJ, and there were I think five left at the end. So that gives it's an indication great. that ninety-five people donated PPE, which is huge. Yeah, uh, it's the numbers that uh, we we met with them this morning, and the numbers that they received from this past weekend were huge. Um, and looking forward to an event coming up in a couple of weeks to try to get more PPE. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a big event coming up. We don't really have a lot as far as details on that, but that's coming soon. Stay tuned for that. Um, and again, stay home, stay safe, please, uh, to the extent that you're able, and support local to the extent that you're able. I know everybody's going through a tough time, um, so reach out to your friends, tell them that you love them, and uh, stay safe, please. 
Yeah. So uh, something Sully brought up uh, is the difference between the style of soccer here, the style of soccer in Croatia. Um, and I wanted to get your take on this because you mentioned that this the play to play pay to play system here and that kids are trying to be more, I guess, tactical in how they approach the game. And in Croatia, it's more of an understanding of the game, a mentality of the game where it's 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 fight or die mentality to, to get on a team. How is that going to change here in the U.S.? And is that affecting how far behind the U.S. is in soccer? Well, uh, yeah. I, I, the short answer is yes. But, um, you know, the pay-to-play system, the, the bigger problem for me in it is that it, it leaves out families who can't afford it. Uh, that's the bigger problem for me. And so um, that's bad for two reasons. One, it sucks for the families who can't afford it, and that's not fair to them. Two... There's some really talented players who are never discovered because their families can't afford it. And that holds back soccer in the country as a whole. So it's a bad system. It's been a bad system for a long time. Sully's exactly right. Um, And I don't see it changing anytime soon because, you know, U.S. Soccer Federation, we've talked about them quite a bit. Um, You know, they got to make their money somehow. And if it's on the the backs of hardworking families, then that's what they're going to do but it really does hold american soccer back yes and again it's not fair to lower income families yeah it's not and it's kind of funny because in basketball you say this person has a european style of of the way they play a finesse way meaning that they're not quite as strong not quite as physical the u.s way is more physical but it seems flipped in soccer yeah yeah i would say that's the case um and again it depends oh there's five more bits more smoke you got to blow up andrew um but uh there you go Uh, I would say it's I think it varies also from nation to nation within Europe I don't know if there's necessarily a European style as much as maybe there's an English style and then a French style and a Croatian style and a Polish style and in all of these different countries so um because you know Italian soccer is very defensively minded you know stacking at the back uh whereas English soccer is more um you know physically attacking up top um and those styles obviously change from generation to generation the premier league english premier league is much less physical than it used to be now um so i mean that's very similar to kind of american basketball um where you know the nba is much less physical than it used to be because of the fouls called in the game or not called in the game back then so that's pretty similar to english soccer in that way yeah, and it's kind of this whole situation is is terrible because I was trying to learn soccer. I was trying to learn the different styles. We all know that last year was kind of my introduction to soccer. Sure. Uh, I was trying to to gain a better knowledge this season, trying to watch different leagues and stuff like that, different styles, uh, learn a few more names than just our United players. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, this this whole COVID thing kind of knocked that out of the way too. So I feel like I'm a little further behind than I want to be, but I'm still enjoying the game. Hey, it gives you the opportunity to kind of go back and and learn about some of the history too, you know? Uh, maybe you, you pick a club and you learn about their history or you, you know, watch some of the matches from recent years. There's, And then Andrew says there's always the Belarusian League right now, the only league in the world that's still playing. So there you go. I'm going to have to, I, I mean, maybe. I'm going to have to find that. Just, not even because I, I want to learn soccer, just because I need sports. Well, the the uh, the Bundesliga is starting up on May fifteenth. We'll uh, we'll see how long that lasts and if that goes well. But yeah, they're they're going to be the first major league back, and there you go. The K League starting up soon too. But the the Bundesliga is the one that people are really keeping an eye on. Obviously, that's one of the biggest leagues in the world. Yeah, and K- Korean baseball too. I've been 
dabbling in that a little bit. <laughs> Korean, I have never in my life watched a Korean <laughs> baseball game. <laughs> you get desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, I think we're going to leave uh, leave the podcast on Korean baseball. I think that's a good way to end it. Um, thank you so much to everybody who has joined us live here on Twitch. Um, thank you for everybody who is listening to the podcast after it's published on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to it. Uh, feel free to give us a like, rating, whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, we're, we're happy with it. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. If you're here on Twitch, uh, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get a free subscription every month. You can use that on us. Just uh, go up to the top where it says subscribe uh, and then choose your Prime uh, membership. It's completely free uh, and it helps us out as well. But thank you so much for tuning in. RJ, anybody else you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, the BGN for hosting our podcasts on their site. Uh, the BGN.fm is where you can find us and several other podcasts. Uh, so, yeah, if you're you're interested in finding out what's going on in, in RGV, which nobody is, I mean, let's be honest. Or, <laughs> I can't even think of another team that anyone would be interested in. So yeah. but go to BGN.fm. You'll see you'll find the curse cast. All right. Well, thank you so much again, everybody, for taking the time to join us today. RJ, until next time, somos unidos. We are united. For the taking, the earth is shaking from that groovy quaking. Coming out of this guitar, and, and the beat goes on and on and on. Someday.